I would like to share with you guys a story from my college days. Back in 1992, my bride and I had been married for about a year and a half. And we were graduating in May. We were so excited. Uh, we were both waiting tables full-time, putting ourselves through college full-time. And we could not wait to get to the payday of graduating from college. Increase our standard of living a little bit. We, we had it all figured out. I, I, had us, I had us planned out through retirement. Anybody be like that? I had us planned out through retirement. I mean, we, we, I had, it was perfect. So Laura wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and supported her in that. But we thought, hey, for the first five years, why don't we both work? We'll live completely off of my income. We'll save all of her income. After five years, we settle down. We have children, pay cash for a house, and live happily, happily ever after. That sounds like a pretty good plan, doesn't it? Yeah, well, um, have, have y'all ever heard the phrase, if you want to make God laugh, tell him about your plans? Well, he was having a little chuckle on our expense because all of our plans came crashing down around us. See, about halfway through our last semester, we find out that, of course, Laura is pregnant. And I know bringing a baby into this world is a blessing. It always is a blessing. But we were too young. We were too scared to see it. And all I could see is we didn't plan for this. We've got no money. We have no insurance. The high-paying jobs have not started yet. And the daddy-to-be is starting to get a bit worried. To make it worse, she was, had a high-risk pregnancy and had to go on bed rest for the last six months, which now meant we were just living off of my income waiting tables. And because she was high-risk, they were saying that if she didn't take these weekly shot therapy injections... she would ultimately may not make it to the due date, may not hit that 28 miracle week, much less 40 weeks. But if we did take it, there was a good chance that when our baby was born, it would be disfigured. So talk about a catch-22. We had these big plans, these big expectations, and I'm sure that many of you have had big expectations and plans in your life all to be disappointed when they weren't realized. They can be anywhere from the trivial to the truly heartbreaking and it makes us wonder what causes us to be disappointed. Well, it's because disappointment is always linked to unmet expectations. It's always linked to unmet expectations. And I'll take it a bit further. In fact, I was having coffee with a friend, Milt Becknell. He's one of our elders, a clinical psychologist. And we got to talking about this a little bit uh, and how this relates to depression. And he says that when, whenever our unmet expectations become unrealistic now, it starts to get a little bit more dangerous because unrealistic expectations will oftentimes 
not be met, leaving us vulnerable to depression. And so Milt says it like this. It says depression is almost always linked to unmet, unrealistic expectations. So we have unmet expectations throughout our entire lifetime. But don't they just seem to show up in spades at Christmas time? It, it just seems like at Christmas time they, they just all show up together. We get our family and friends and we put everybody in the same house and everybody's got their own idea, their own expectations of what Christmas is going to be like. And then we put everybody together and watch everything collide. I know it's, there, there's joy and, and all kinds of stuff that happens at Christmas, but we've got to be honest about this. So trust me, Christmas, these unmet expectations are nothing new. In fact, you might say that they're as old as Christmas themselves. Mary and Joseph experienced this on an elevated level. And so we're going to be hanging out today in Luke and Matthew reading the Christmas story. And I know that many of you guys have, may have read this hundreds of times before, but let me pose this to you. Have, you. have you ever read it through the perspective of unmet expectations? So if you guys will turn to your Bibles, Luke, Luke 1, 1 is where we're going to be. And while you're turning there, I want to give you a little bit of background on New Testament. So our New Testament is a collection of books. In fact, 27 books written by nine different authors. The very first four books are called the Gospels. They're the chronicles of the life of Jesus Christ. And only Matthew and Luke, those are the only two Gospels that actually record the happenings around the birth of Christ. So that's where we're going to be hanging out today. And as we're reading this, don't miss the underlying unmet expectations. We're going to start in Luke 1.26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel of Nazareth to a town in Galilee to be to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Amen. Sounds awesome, right? How does Mary respond? Um, how will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Put yourselves in Mary's shoes for just a moment. What emotion is she feeling How, after this interaction? Because I guarantee you it was not what she expected. Think about it. This is a young lady who is pledged to be married to a carpenter. She probably has her life figured out similar to what we did. Do you think that she was disappointed though? I, I, I don't know, but let's look at some potential emotions that she may have felt. Let's look over here where he says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this may be. She was scared
All of a sudden, this angel appears. She's got to be scared, but disappointed. I, I don't know. What about after the angel said that she was going to be with child? Um, so, uh, uh, how? Well, you know, so, um, come again? How will this be? I, I'm, I'm a virgin. So she's definitely disappointed, or she's definitely confused. She's definitely confused, but I, I don't know if she is disappointed. Think about what may be going through her mind. The, the Bible doesn't tell us. But if it were me, if it were you here in this room today, I think we would all feel a little bit scared, a little bit confused probably very anxious I want us to look at some context here because God has gone dark for 400 years prior to this communication think about it the last time God talked to his children of Israel was way back in Malachi in the Old Testament it's been 400 years Our country isn't that old. Can somebody tell us about our forefathers without the help of the internet? And she's just supposed to believe this angel that shows up and tells her these things. I'm gonna let you marinate on that a little bit. Let's go check out Joseph's point of view in Matthew. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh, how is Joseph feeling right now? Because let me tell you, he hadn't been enlightened by the angel yet. I'm assuming he found out through the grapevine. If I'm Joseph... I guarantee you I'd be frustrated. I'd feel betrayed. I'd be sad. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is the woman that I love. And she's carrying someone else's child. If I'm being honest, I'd be angry. But as he's processing through this, you can tell, you can tell that he's hurt. Because he says here, he says, Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. He was hurt, but oh my gosh, Joseph's a stand-up dude. Remember, he has not been enlightened by the angel yet, and yet he doesn't go off half-cocked. He doesn't play this victim card. He assumes that it's someone else's baby and yet still loves her enough to not put her through public disgrace. Men, how many of us in here today would be so inclined? The angel finally makes its, his rounds to, to Joseph and gets him clued in, appears to him in a vision and Joseph gets on board. He, he realizes where he are and he accepts it. And so if he had an offense with Mary, he's dropped it. And he decides to go ahead and marry Mary. 
So let's pick up on the rest of the story in Luke chapter two. I'm gonna paraphrase this from the Pastor Lane Message Bible version. So y'all hang with me a little bit, all right? So there's a king and he's required all of these Israelites to go back to their place of birth. And so they're living in Nazareth and now they've gotta travel to Bethlehem. They've gotta go to Joseph's hometown. How excited do you think Mary was about this? Oh, now we got to go to the in-laws for our first Christmas. <laughs> and think about, how, think about how far away it was. Did you guys realize it's 100 miles between Nazareth and Bethlehem? And even though Bethlehem is south of Nazareth, it says they went up to Bethlehem. You know why? Because it was uphill. In the snow both ways. I'm sorry, I had to say that. Um, Guys, if they traveled 15 miles a day, it would take them almost a week to get there. Mind you, this is with a nine-month pregnant wife in tow. Well, they finally arrive. They, they get there, and of course, you know, Joseph forgets to go on to Priceline.com and, and get a, a nice suite at the Hilton. And so now they're out back with the animals because there's no, there's no places open anywhere in town. I'm sure all Mary's wanting is a foot rub, a hot bath, and a cozy bed. She didn't get that either. Again, I, I have to imagine I would be quite disappointed because my expectations weren't met. So what happens? What happens when our expectations don't get met? Are we sad? Are we anxious? Are we angry? Well, I chose today to help me illustrate this to, to pull out one of our family favorite Christmas movies. Anybody want to guess what it was? Christmas Vacation. It's the classic Christmas movie, kind of like almost up there with Die Hard, right? I mean, it's just a classic. Okay, for all of y'all that don't think y'all can repent later, Die Hard is a classic Christmas movie. Amen? All right, let me get back on track. Sorry about that. So Christmas Vacation is a story of a typical family. Large family, all get together for Christmas. Dad has got these huge expectations about what's gonna happen. Of course, then everybody else has their own. And we get the joy of getting to watch all, everything just come unravel throughout the whole movie about how each expectation gets hit and knocked down, one tragedy after the other. So there's some common emotional reactions that happen in this that we've talked about. And I wanna show you a couple of our uh, characters in here. So our first one here is sadness. Think of sadness. Poor Catherine. Look at her. Catherine is, is Ellen's cousin. She has one job to do. One job the entire Christmas vacation and that is to cook the Christmas turkey. And it looks gorgeous coming out of the oven until Clark goes to cut it open and it's just nothing but skin and bones. And she's mortified probably very embarrassed she's sad you say oh come on pastor really I mean we're going to talk about something as trivial as overcooking a turkey really you guys tell me that you haven't gotten upset over something less trivial than this but we do don't we we get upset over trivial, trivial things but guys we, we know that there are some bigger things that happen some that, that are truly 
heartbreaking. For some of you, this will be your first Christmas to spend Christmas without a loved one in your life. Hey, for some of you, it may be your second or third and the pain is still there. And it may be because they've gone to see Jesus. It may be because of COVID. It may be because they live across the country or across the world and ticket prices for a plane ride are just too much. There's a lot of sadness that happens around Christmas and we've got to acknowledge it. How are we going to respond? Here's this next one, anxiety. Ellen, this is, this is Clark's wife and Ellen is the people pleaser in the group, okay? So she is, she's anxious the entire movie, is she not? I mean, she just worries about, she knows her husband, right? She knows the expectation that Clark's had and history has told her it's not gonna go well. And so she's just sitting here like playing goalie, just, all right, what's gonna happen? Who am I gonna take care of next? And she just worries, worries, worries. Any got worriers, anxious people out there? Yeah. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Martha, Mary and Martha from last week's message with Chris. Yeah. And then finally, of course, we get to get old Clark. Clark Griswold, a.k.a. Sparky. Wife calls him Sparky. Now, you wanna talk about someone who has some high expectations. He's got some high expectations, doesn't he? He's got to have that perfect tree. He's got to have the kajillion lights that takes nuclear power to run. We've got the perfect dinner. We've got everything has got to be perfect. <laughs> they don't turn out that way, do they? Now on the outsides, with each one of these failings, Clark seems to have it all together. He's just kind of pushing it down, pushing it down till he can't push it down anymore. And then he explodes. Any stuffers out there? Yeah. Beware of the stuffer who just looks really nice on the outside and you can just see it in their eyes. That person's about to lose it. <laughs> Let's take a look at one of the multiple outbursts of anger that Clark has. This is right after he spent hours trying to get these lights working on his house. Can't do it. He brings the whole family out. Drum roll. He's so excited. And it doesn't happen. And this is the result of what happens here. Good old Sparky. Oh my goodness. Now I know for a lot of you, the, the big Christmas vacation fans are out there going, Lane, there was a much better clip. <laughs> and I thought about it. But our editing software was not quite powerful enough to catch all the, should we say, colorful language. So I had to settle with this one. We get angry, don't we? For some of us, it shows a little bit more. So now, what, how are we supposed to react or respond when these expectations aren't met? Well, Paul, Paul leads us through this a little bit here in Philippians. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you 
to the interest of others. So now we have two competing values here. We have two competing values here. We have selfish ambition or humility valuing others. And so when we think of this word selfishness that kind of conjures up this idea of negative, malicious, they're just selfish people. But there's another side of it that we all share. Because it says here of, well, you don't want to just look into the interests of your own, but also the interests of others. Sometimes selfishness is just not thinking of other people. And honestly, is if we look, really and truly, if we look at all sin in life, I'm a root cause kind of guy, all right? Just, there's been times in my life where I'm just struggling. God, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep sinning? And I want to get down to the root of what in the heck is wrong with me? I've come to discover that the root of all sin is selfishness. I, I challenge you to think of one that's not. It all comes back to us playing God. It all comes back to us being selfish. It all comes back to us not thinking about other people. Now there is one more character I know you guys have been wanting me to show <laughs> that just exudes this personality better than everybody, right? He's not malicious now. He's not, he's not. He really isn't. He just, he just can't help himself but just think about himself. That's who he thinks about. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Cousin Eddie, you know, get you something, make it nice. He's the fun-loving one, isn't he? But wildly inappropriate. And every family has one, don't they? And like the old joke goes, if you don't know who it is in your family, it's you. Man, if we, and we look at this, this whole idea of selfishness and all right, okay, you know, pastor says it's the root of all sin. Okay, so how do, how, do, how do I not, how do I overcome this selfish desire that I have in my heart? And it's really simple. Stop. And just think of others. Just stop for a second and think when you're getting out of control and you're thinking, I want this. Look at what you keep saying. It's always I, 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 me, me, me. Stop for just a second and say, how is somebody else perceiving me right now? In short, don't be an Eddie. So here, where do we go from here? I wanna give you two action steps to take away from today to help prepare you. You've got one week left before Christmas, so I know we're kinda of hitting this late. But as, as we're getting closer to Christmas, I wanna give you two action steps. The first one is this. Prepare for the, unex or prepare for the expected. So let's face it, if we're all being honest in here today, we, don't we already know that 75% of the bad stuff is gonna happen? I mean, don't we? Has not history told us? We know 75% of the bad stuff that's gonna happen. So one thing that you guys can do is do an inventory. Sit down with a friend, a loved one, your spouse. Heck, it may be something that you get your whole family together. And it can really be a funny experience because it's always funnier six months after. Just not so much during Christmas, is it? Sit down, talk about. Guys, you already know that Aunt Martha is going to show up wearing too much perfume that she got from QVC. You know that Cousin Eddie is going to be telling an inappropriate joke to the middle schoolers in the living room. 
And for some reason, at the very minimum, you're going to be making five additional trips to the grocery store because you just can't seem to get it on the first try. I don't know why that surprises me every year, but it does. Then you've got the political activists. You know, the one that watches Fox News or CNN too much? I'm stepping on toes now. I'm going to keep going. And all they can sit and talk about are those dang Democrats or those dang Republicans. And everybody else in the house is going, oh my gosh, give it a rest. And you got the family guilt trip champion. <laughs> Somebody's getting guilted at Christmas. Something's getting burnt in the kitchen. The toys are getting broken by the cousins. And somebody's getting bit by the toddler. So if we know all this stuff is going to happen, why don't we do something to prepare for it? I know some of them are hard, but some of them are easy. Hey, kids, come here. Let's get together. I know all the cousins broke your toys last year. Hey, how about we do this? What if we were to put all of your favorite toys hidden back in the closet? And let's just get out some of these ones. We're really not we care whether or not they get broken or not. Sounds pretty good, right? Hey, the next time little Johnny comes up to bite you, it's all about the stance and the follow-through. It's all in the hips here. No, I, I would not tell you good people of Ohio to, would not encourage violence. That's what we do in Texas, so. No, we don't do that in Texas, just, just in my family. Guys, if we know what's going to happen, why does it always surprise us when it does? So for some of you, we may have to set some boundaries. We may have to set some boundaries. After, after you've done your inventory, determine where your line in the sand is and discuss how you can hold to it by, more importantly, still be gracious to those who infringe upon it. For others, it may be timing and environment oh man not all conflict can be avoided but the how the when and the where is almost always under our control and do we do that because it may be a preemptive strike if what's happening is affecting the whole family and not just you by the way it may be something you need to talk with somebody about before or maybe after, but rarely do we want to bring something in to that Christmas celebration. Guys, we should be celebrating the birth of Jesus. Amen? It's not about the toys. It's not about the gifts. It's not about the food. It's not even about your family getting together. It's about Jesus. Let's move on to our second step and prepare for the unexpected. So while some of, the, some of the, the tasks in preparing for the expected can be difficult, the unexpected tests your unedited character. Whew. Do you know what your go-to emotion is when the unexpected happens? Are you sad? Are you anxious? Are you, are you angry? Oh, here's one for you. Are you easily offended? Oh my goodness, I cannot believe he just said that violence towards children. You know, the people that just can't roll with it. 
So let's just admit it, we all have some blind spots. We do. We may know what they are, but more times than not, we just don't know when we're gonna do them. So what if we all got a blind spot specialist? Do you have one of those in your camp? Somebody who loves you enough to call you out when you're, hey, you're about to cross the bridge of troubled water. I just want to pull you back. Because there's one long life truth that I've discovered. And it's that the jerk in the room never knows they're the jerk. It's true. If they did, they probably wouldn't act that way. Most people anyway. Most people wouldn't act that way if they realized they were being perceived that way. So if it's true of this person over here, the one y'all are thinking of right now, what, what, what if it's true of you? What if it's true of me? Do I have some blind spots that I need somebody that loves me enough to tell me? But here's the most difficult part about that. It takes humility and trust to put that kind of authority on somebody else, does it not? Do you have somebody who loves you enough to call you out and catch you right before you go too far? So our next tip is to turn a negative into a positive. And I gotta confess to you guys here that this is a tough one for me. I'm a pretty simple guy. I, I don't have a lot of pretenses and what you see is what you get. But I gotta tell you, I have a hard time, I have a difficult time getting past that initial negative response after an unexpected catastrophe. For me, it's just, it's just not natural. It's a learned response, and I've gotten better over the years. I just wish I had to learn this and practice this more as a young father. I could have saved my family a lot of heartache. Let's watch this scene right after Clark has had his famous meltdown where his father catches him in the utility room. Let's take a look at this. This is a terrible night. Nothing's gone right. It's a disaster. But you losing your temper with the whole family only makes things worse. And you're too good a father to act like this. And years to come, you want your children and your family to remember all the love you gave us and how hard you tried to make the perfect Christmas. I just... It's okay. It happens. Fathers, listen to me. You have an incredible opportunity to leave a lasting impression on your children, positive or negative, because your kids are taking their cues from you. They're watching dad to see how he's gonna respond in this moment of crisis. Turn that negative into a positive. Make it fun. And I know a lot of you are probably like me. You're not funny. That's okay. Try to figure out how to make something fun. Be prepared for that. For those of you that are like me, you gotta get a good poker face because those crazy eyes come out and they see it. Make a memory of how you overcame that obstacle. Don't ignore the incredible influence that you have, gentlemen. You are training your kids on how they will ultimately respond or react to the unexpected disappointments in their life. Teach them to be overcomers and how to respond in grace and gentleness and thoughtfulness of other people. Finally, 
be on the lookout for God to show up. So don't miss this one, church, because it truly is the big idea of today's message. Church, most of us will miss this because we are so caught up in our negative emotions about what's going on, we don't even see Jesus. And how can we be obedient to him when we can't see him? Laura and I weren't expecting God to show up, but he did. Gave us a, a healthy baby boy. Not only did he make it past the 28 week, he was a week late. Unmet expectation there. He gave us something that we didn't even know what it was at the time, Medicaid, insurance that helped pay for the birth of our child. What a blessing that was to us. He gave me a job. It wasn't the job that I had initially been given. That job would have allowed me to move up in the company really quick and make big money quick, but I also would have been working 80, 90 hours. I knew that going into it. We wanted to have a family, so God gave me a job that didn't make that much money, but allowed us to have a family life. Here's what's really cool about this story. It's one of our family memorials. I can still tell you the amount of money I made my first year out of college, and almost to the dollar, it was exactly what Laura and I made together waiting tables the year before. Hey, you're not gonna, make, you're not gonna be rich, son. I'm going to take care of you. God is our provision. God showed up. Man, I wish we would have been looking for it. I wish we had been like Joseph and Mary did. Let's take a cue from them and see how they responded to their unplanned pregnancy. Mary could have freaked out. Done, out, no, I want nothing to do with this. I've got my life planned away. We don't think that she really had that option. But she doesn't do that, does she? She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She may have had some negative emotions, but she didn't act on them. Instead, she writes a praise song. If you look later on in Luke 1 after this, it says well, she writes a, a praise to God. And Joseph, man, he, he could have become enraged and cut the wedding out altogether. He already talked about divorcing her afterwards. He doesn't do that either. He says he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. They were both expecting God to show up and were obedient to his leading and God came through. Mary gave birth to the, our Lord and Savior Jesus and they got to witness the greatest life ever lived. Church, what life? What life will we choose to live? when our expectations fall short because God is going to show up during your unmet expectations the only question is will we be expecting it